Welcome to Up Next with Tommy Lee, with influential Christian leaders sharing their passions and purpose in personal conversations. And now, founder and president of Resource Global, managing partner of Barnabas Group Chicago, and your host on Up Next, Tommy Lee. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Up Next. And today we have our co-host, Doc Feeder. Doc, welcome. Hey, Tommy. And Donna is back from vacation in Florida. So, Donna, how are you? Good. How are you? And on the phone today, we have Joy Freeman. I'm excited. I, You know, uh, and let me tell you a little bit about Joy's bio and, you know, just our journey. I got to know Joy. She's been part of our Resource Global cohort this year. And we really sat down during our trip to Los Angeles. And I got a chance to sit down with her one day when we were at Saddleback Church. And I said to Joy after talking with her, Joy, you are probably one of the most intelligent individuals I've ever met. And so I'm honored for you to join us this afternoon, Joy. Thank you. And thank you for the compliment. Hey, Joy, let me uh, read some of the things. I'm, I have your bio right in front of me. Uh, you're okay. currently working as a consultant for the Boston Consulting Group, but in the past you've worked with groups like the YMCA, Claire's, McDonald's, Burger King. Your area is in terms of brand management, in terms of strategy as it relates to, is it the millennials? Is that your target group in terms of marketing with that, Joy? I would say millennials and also uh, Gen Zs, and uh, as the the next generation alphas come up, I uh, I will continue to focus on them as well. Got it. Hey, let me ask you a quick question: Is uh, for those who may not be familiar with it, Gen Z and millennials? How mm-hmm. tell tell me the difference between those two? But also, how are you marketing that's different from a Gen Z, and also a millennial that's different to how we market today? Yeah, so millennials are typically, um, uh, the age range is uh, born uh, between like 1980, 1981, depending on what, um, what you're looking at, and up to uh, the, the 90s. So Gen Zs would actually be after that. And Gen Zs right now are the group that's in college, preparing to graduate, some are now just entering the workforce. So there are a lot of similarities when you think about Gen Z and Millennials together in comparison to Xers or Boomers. Um, but when you look at the actual groups, there are very unique nuances. So, for example, um, we talked, uh, culture talks a lot about Gen Z being, um, or I'm sorry, Millennials being digital natives, and that's actually not the case. So, Millennials were born um, before the Internet was a thing. Whereas Gen Zs were born into internet and social media. So just their perspective, they, they actually are the true digital natives and that this is the world that they were born into. So they have different expectations about engagement and how they see the world. And interestingly enough, Gen Zs are actually what we hear a lot is this whole thing called IRL, which is in real life. So whereas millennials, um, Engaging on digital is, is big for millennials. The novelty of Gen Z is actually engaging in person because they didn't grow up in mm. a world where you did that as much. So they like in real life experiences, which is uniquely something that is uniquely different between the two groups. I think also the difference between them is that when we think about uh, Gen Z, this is a group um, that they were born in a world that was very different than what we had seen before. So they were born... Um, they were young when 9-11 happened. They uh, were young when um, the Enron scandal happened. A lot of the things that we see in the world now, I mean, these are kids who saw, um, 
you know, school shootings happening more frequently in their lifetime. So their concept of the world being safe, their concept of trust, their concept of businesses and companies taking mm. care of them is just very different than what we've ever seen before. Um, they also have different expectations about um, what their voice and their role is in the world. One, because they grew up in social media, so they're used to having a voice. But they've also grown up really feeling that adults have abandoned them. And so that's why we see a lot of Gen Z's really taking um, the, the world on and wanting to have impact and wanting to have change and talking about climate change and poverty and all these other things and really um, going at it full force because a lot of them feel that um, it was adults' responsibility to do this and they have it. Got it, got it. You're listening to Up Next on AM 1160, Doc. Hey, Joy, that was helpful, man. As a as a baby boomer, you schooled me on that. I'm just uh, I'm taking notes on all that. That's all helpful. <laughs> hey, you've you've been involved in many things, uh, working for many companies, but uh, you mm-hmm. founded your own consulting business called Remnant Strategy. Could you tell yes. us a little bit about that, Joy? Sure. So. Similar to what I shared about um, millennials and Gen Zs, I think that we're in a world that's ever-evolving, culture's changing. Um, think, for example, transportation has just revolutionized over the last 10 years. FinTech is a thing. A lot of the staple brands that we know about have begun to shrink. Um, and what I saw working and for various large global brands is that we weren't always understanding the world uh, from from even the smallest perspective. We weren't really integrating culture into business strategy. Culture was kind of an afterthought. And so I started Remit Strategy because I wanted to really have a focus on how do you help uh, organizations, brands, nonprofits really think differently about how they approach uh, the next chapter of their growth and really thinking about how do they continue to thrive with the culture of tomorrow, knowing that we've seen monumental shifts in the way that um, just the world operates. Uh, so even the, the name Remnant uh, for me was it's kind of a, a David and Goliath approach mm-hmm. to thinking about business. Um, really, uh, we don't always need the grandest ideas, the grandest um, uh, budgets, or um, you know, even the, the big teams. A lot of the, the details and the small things is really what helps the company move forward, and we can pay attention to that and culture and innovation and start to marry that, I believe that that is where, um, where we see the greatest opportunity. That's helpful. Um, mm-hmm. What does it look like when you're um, working on, say, a, a winning idea for a marketing or communications campaign? I, walk <laughs> us through the process a little bit. I'm intrigued by that. Yeah, so, you know, it, it changes every time because every uh, challenge and every business is different. But I think at the core, it's really, for me, it has been over the years, um, learning what it means to ask the difficult questions, um, to uh, approach a challenge with great empathy, um, and to really help brands understand what it means to have a dialogue versus a monologue. So, for example, asking the difficult questions, um, I have found when, when I'm working with clients, it, it's really asking, so why do you exist if you no longer existed, uh, what void would there be? Those are the questions that at times we're really afraid to ask because we're afraid of what's at the end of it. But without doing that, um, you really can't solve what is maybe some of the foundational 
uh, challenges or, or really getting to the core of why your marketing, your strategy, your communication is important. And the other one that's big is really learning how um, how to have a dialogue versus a monologue. And, mm-hmm. and I think that brands don't always do this well because they're used to whether it's creating a commercial or a press release. It becomes about the brand talking about who they are or the organization. But communication first starts really with listening, and that could be listening for the pulse of what's happening around you, what's happening in culture, what other organizations are talking about, and starting there and really treating communications as it is a two-way street and a dialogue versus um, just the time to, to share what you think. And so I found that when I can help companies do that, there's a greater opportunity for success because we're starting at a place really of, of empathy and walking in other shoes and really seeing the world outside of what the company thinks that they are. That's really helpful. Thanks, Joy. Joy, that's really awesome um, just to have that kind of um, perspective. Um, is there a brand uh, that you see that's doing very well in listening and doing well in communicating to their audience? Oh gosh, that is a um, that's a challenging. So I would say that there are there are campaigns. Um, I mean that that come to mind when I immediately think of this. One campaign that is top of mind in particular, and it could be because I'm working on a um, uh, a dialogue about youth and engaging in social impact. But I think a brand that has done this well over the last few months is honestly Nike with mm-hmm. um, the the Kaepernick ad. And I think that in particular it's because um, that was a huge risk uh, for Nike to do, but I think Nike took the time to really understand who was their audience, who's buying their brand. Um, and, and I think that's also a case of really understanding where culture is headed. So simple demographics, like by 2050, the majority of the U.S. population will be people of color. And so for a brand like Nike, and I'm not saying that they used or they used this as they thought about it, but to understand that a large part of their consumer base may be people who are experiencing particular challenges um, and challenges that one of their star athletes is experiencing, um, to really lean into that um, and to participate in a dialogue about that um, is a huge business risk, but one that I think we've seen from their sales and um, even from their stock size really serve them well. I think that's a a great example of uh, listening to what's happening and and not also Nike didn't move in with the Nike approach. They really allowed their athlete's voice um, to shine and and they used their platform for that to happen. And and I think the the brands that do more of that, where they move aside as being a, a big brand or a company or um, stepping in and trying to control the conversation, but they allow their platform to be a voice for people who don't always have one. Those are the ones that um, are really starting to navigate and, and clear through the clutter. Yeah. Hey, actually, Joy, I want to talk to you a little bit more about this Nike. I have one question, but we're going to take a break and we're going to come back right after this. And we're going to, we're talking with Doc Feuder. We're talking with Donna Day, uh, who are our co-hosts today and Joy Freeman's on the phone. And so, Joy, uh, we're going to come back, and I'd love to pick up that one as soon as we get back. So stay right, right back, and we will be back. You're listening to Up Next with Tommy Lee on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. 
Well, welcome back to Up Next. And uh, we are on the phone today with Joy Freeman. My co-host is Doc Feuder and Donna. Hey, right before your break, we were just talking about Nike as a brand that really was doing well in terms of connecting with the culture today and really be able to connect uh, well with understanding their audience. But, Joy, let me ask you a question that I'm trying to mm-hmm. wrestle with is even with the Kaepernick uh, advertisement is when they designed that marketing thing, they already knew that it was going to divide different people. Look at where Kaepernick stands. He divides NFL owners. He divides some of the fans. Papa John's got involved in it. They struggle because of all this discussion. And you're saying that they did well in terms of connecting with the culture, but they automatically divided the culture versus before a lot of times companies would find a marketing scheme that appealed to everyone what was the logic in that, and how is that different from how you used to do marketing in the, in the past? Yeah, so I think um, that's, a, that's a great question and, and really uh, is one that's worth really investigating. I would actually say that um, the Nike ad didn't divide people and Kaepernick didn't divide people. I think that people were already divided, and um, the the Nike ad really revealed something about what was already happening. So when I, when I think about the, that particular ad, there was nothing in it that um, really charged or pointed fingers in any direction as much as the ad was about um, having voice and having agency. And I think what it revealed is that there are certain voices and certain agency that, is, that we typically have not really been willing um, to embrace. And so I think that that was the big challenge because Nike could have gone kind of the, the, the route of uh, avoiding the issue, um, but they chose to, one, keep Kaepernick on as, um, as one of their athletes and sponsors, but then they also chose to create an ad that really celebrated his decision to, um, you know, to have a voice. And so... I think that was the thing that, that divided people. I wouldn't say that the ad was particularly divisive as much as it shed light on challenges that already exist in our country that we don't necessarily want to see. I think on the, on the, on the flip side, an ad that did a really good job of acknowledging some of the challenges and the ways that we're divided as a, um, as a nation is uh, an ad that the YMCA actually did um, two years ago, a spot called Us. It was a long-form and also a short-form spot that really talked about uh, some of the challenges that we face as a diverse country, um, but how we can find uh, bridges and connection points. And so it did a, a very similar thing in really shedding light on some of the difficulties that we see in the country, um, but then having a resolve at the end to say that we can push past this. So I think it's, you know, again, Advertising, a lot of times, brands have really shied away from some of the challenging realities and conversations and, and really hope to shed light on, on a promise. And I think with the advent of, uh, of social media being a tool and, uh, and really exposing a lot of what's happening in the country, you almost can't ignore some of the uh, difficult challenges that, that we're facing and, and the reality that it doesn't matter how much money you have or how famous you are, um, there are just certain groups of people that um, that will continue to experience those challenges. And I think that's, that's where brands have an opportunity to decide that they don't want to lean into it and there are some that, that shouldn't um, and it doesn't fit their brand. And then there are other ones um, that have just been known as brands that have pushed the boundaries. 
and willing to go there, um, and they have an opportunity to use their platform. Got it, got it, got it. You're listening to uh, Up Next on AM 1160. On the phone today, we have Joy Freeman, and we're having a conversation about branding, marketing strategies as it relates to the millennial Gen Z generation. Donna? Yeah. Um, hi, Joy. Thanks so much for sharing about that. And I'm going to shift gears right now, and uh, I want to learn a little bit more about you. And I, mm-hmm. I'm reading that in college, you study English language and literature. So what got you yeah. into um, brand strategy, marketing after you graduated, and what's kept you interested in it for so long? Yeah, I always wanted to go into reputation management and brand strategy, even in undergrad. And mm. I actually majored in literature because I, um, I thought that literature was one of those um, majors where I had an opportunity to, one, uh, develop my critical thinking skills and you read a book and then you come into class and you are debating uh, different perspectives. And so it challenged me to see the world through other people's eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also was really passionate about literature. I, I considered history. I considered a few other majors. But the thing that I thought that was amazing about literature is that, um, and particularly for me, I studied literature of the African diaspora, mm-hmm. is that anyone can tell their story. So in history, you're typically hearing the story from the perspective of the people who conquered or won. Um, but in literature, you have, you know, slaves who are, who are writing their stories. You have... Um, you know, highly educated people who are writing. And so I found that in literature I could walk through um, or see the world through the eyes of many different people um, and see it from various perspectives, which you don't always experience um, in, in business, uh, in, uh, in history, and other majors. I think that's really helped me uh, as I've done brand strategy because it's forced me to really ask, the, again, the difficult questions that I talked about earlier that comes from uh, my liberal arts background and my ability to, to really learn how to see the world from other people's eyes and perspectives. Hey, thank you, Joy. Shoot, our time's going too quickly here. We just have a few minutes left. I want to, <laughs> we're wanting to learn too, a little bit more uh, about you in your bio, self-professed youth culture enthusiast. Joy, what, what really excites you uh, about youth culture? How do you use your knowledge of it um, in, in the consulting work that you do with your clients? Yeah, the thing that I love about youth culture and I've always loved is that uh, the youth development journey is ever-changing. How a, a, someone is at 5 is different from 7, how someone is at 13 is different from how they are at 16, and, and so on. So not only is the developmental journey changing for a young person, but um, you know every, every generation is different. So what I did 12 years ago with uh, millennials is very, in some ways different from how I to the world with Gen Z. And, and so as I'm working with um, the businesses and, and organizations and really helping them to navigate what strategy looks like for them and what growth looks like and bringing the youth perspective, um, a lot of what I do is helping them to really think through what does it mean to think about the next generation as people, as people now. Um, so, you know, again, a lot of the, we have a youth boom that is happening um, and the next generation will also be the most diverse. And so it's easy to think about those as data points in the future. Um, for example, Nigeria will be the third most populated country by 2050. It's easy to think about that mm, as a uh, long-off um, data point. But for me, it's well, what does that look like for you now? And if you want to be around in 2050, then how do we reverse engineer so that you are engaging if you're a, if you're a global organization you're engaging um, with uh, with your future constituents now. 
uh, or at least thinking about what does it mean to participate in their world and really understanding how, again, culture is evolving. Uh, so what uh, a millennial expected five, six years ago is going to be very different from a Gen Z and an alpha. Um, the fundamental needs may be the same, but the way that uh, organizations have to engage with them is very different, especially as young people continue to grow and having voice um, and, and buying power and decision-making powers even in their household. So that's a lot of what I do when I'm consulting with organizations. is helping them to see young people um, as people um, and as people who are ready uh, to, to be a part of making decisions about where they're headed. Got it. Hey, Joy, you know, we're about to wrap up our time here. Tell You're over in Kellogg right now. You're going for your MBA. And yeah. talk a little bit about your experience internationally. You're on. You're embarking on some international trips here in the next couple months. Yes, I am. I am uh, headed to Tel Aviv and uh, most likely Hong Kong. Um, I will also be going to India to really evaluate what does technology uh, look like in the emerging market. Uh, that's one of the areas that I'm particularly interested in. So I have quite a few trips coming up uh, to Kellogg. A big part of my focus in the program is really um, how do you uh, how do we help businesses uh, grow in uh, emerging communities in the U.S. and then emerging markets globally. And again, thinking about uh, the emerging aspect will have a huge uh, investment in uh, next-gen and youth, and, and I think they will be a big part of where, uh, where we're headed uh, in the economy and just in society. Wow. Doc, I told you, Donna, Doc, I told you, this girl's a Oh, my goodness, <laughs> Joy. Those trips are amazing. I, I wish you. I had got to carry your suitcase or something <laughs> if, if, you, if you need someone to watch over you. No, that was Thank you. God's blessings on you. Wow. Thank you. Wow, wow, wow. Hey, Joy, let me ask you a quick question. I mean, what, what excites you? I mean, you look at where God is calling mm-hmm. you to do, and we have one minute mm-hmm. left. What excites you? What, what do you see God uh, really preparing you to do and really asking you to do? Yeah, I think Remnant is at the core of it, and this idea that um, God has always held um, a group of people um, to be a part of this unique plan, and and really that is what I dedicate the business to, and everything that I do is that I believe that God is always preparing people and groups of people to do amazing things, and that's really what keeps me going and, and keeps my vision alive. Wow. Hey, Joy, thank you very much for everything you're doing. And uh, we're going to have to catch up once you get back and do another interview with you. Well, thank you. I look forward to it. Well, you know, you guys can listen to more episodes on Up Next at www.upnext.city. And so that's www.upnext.city. Join us next week as Doc Feuder and Donna are going to come back and just have another conversation uh, with another wonderful individual, marketplace leader, and ministry leader who is doing wonderful things for the Lord. Thank you, Joy. Hey, have a good day, everyone, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Up Next with host Tommy Lee, getting to know another influential leader. To hear past episodes, visit upnext.city. That's upnext.city. Join Tommy for Up Next, Saturdays at 3.30 on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.